What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. One of the last ones of the season as we are wrapping up the 2023 year here. Mets four-game series in Philly. It did not go well. The Mets got swept. We will talk about all the stuff that went on in these games. Honestly, not too, too much because, again, the Mets did get swept. Eliminated from playoff contention officially. So that's... That's that. And uh, yeah, we'll just talk about everything that went on this weekend as well. Make sure you guys are following us on our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you want to see the video version of this. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. We really do appreciate all you guys out there still listening. James, I've seen you a lot this weekend, but tell the people, how you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. It was a tough weekend for the Mets. I'm excited to get back into the field, though, for the last homestand of the year coming up. Tuesday through Sunday. Uh, also, just exciting football weekend. You guys hate how much you talk about football, but YouTube watchers, same where I'm at Ohio State hat. Really great victory for them. Probably won't really talk about that very much, but also just a weird weekend in New York. Just like we got the outskirts of Hurricane Ophelia. It was just wet and windy for like three straight days and still going. So a weird weekend, but nice nice to get a little, little football, a little baseball in. Yeah, no, I'm excited to get back to City Field. Like you said, last homestand of the year. It's going to be the last, what, six games, I believe, right, of the season this week. So if you have a chance to come out to City Field, definitely give it a shot. Come out there. We'll be out there. I'm going to be out there for pretty much every single game. I think James is going to miss a couple of them, right? Um, I'm going to be there every, every day except Friday and Saturday. But okay. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, I'm there. And Thursday, in particular, is going to be a special day for you because, let the people know, yeah, guys, Thursday. So if you guys can keep in track, listen regularly. We do the estimate every episode. John usually comes in when he's feeling like it. And uh, he'll come in and give us a trivia question. Not a trivia question. More like something that Mark and I will guess for the next series. Whether it be the hardest ball someone will hit or how many times someone will swing and miss. But something game-specific, series-specific that we'll guess on. And I lost in the first half of the year. And the punishment that we decided for the loser would be you have to wear a full kit to the game. So Thursday... Second to last, um, second to last series ender of the year. I got my pants. They're coming from Amazon. I got a, an awful customized uh, Mets blue pinstripe jersey. I'm going to get a hat from the team store. I'm going to walk around my neighborhood this week and try and get some metal spikes. And I'm going to show up. In a, in a full, I have Mets socks that go up to like my mid calves. I'm going to wear those in my baseball socks. And I'm going to, I'm going to show up in the full kit Thursday. So if you guys want to see me look like an idiot, come say hi. I will be looking like an idiot in the stands. On Thursday, I, you gotta let me know when you get to the media entrance because I want I want to see people's reactions when you walk through. I, I don't I honestly I I don't think I'm gonna be able to do that because I'm not gonna take the train wearing that outfit. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get beat up. Like I can't do that. I can't walk through my neighborhood. Twelve minutes to the G train. People are like, what, is this is this a mental patient going to the, the click, game? Like the what's... click clack. The yeah yeah. I'm I'm gonna bring it. I'm gonna bring a lot of it in the bag. And once I get into the stadium, I'm gonna go in the. Oh. I'm going to go in. I'm going to wear it. I can't, I can't walk in like that. I can't. It's not that I can't walk in like that. I, I just can't take public transit like that. I can't do okay, it. Okay. That's putting myself in arm. The content, though, of you walking through the media entrance in full, full jersey and cleats and hat and everything. You, you guarantee you're going to film it, like maybe, but I, I still don't even think I could do that. Okay, I'm, we, I'm, we, go to the game. I'll be in the yeah, game we'll, and in the kit. We'll play it by ear, uh, see how that one goes. Also, if you guys see us, say what's up. It's going to be the end of the season, so we're going to have a bunch of stickers to give away to you guys, as always. Uh, last year, like towards the end of the year during the playoffs, we gave away some stuff like some hats and some gift cards and stuff like that. So hopefully we get to do that again. But if you see us, definitely say what's up because it will be the last time you see us until next season. So you never know. That would be uh, cool to see all you guys out there in terms of other stuff going on. I mean, not too much. I guess we'll, we'll hold what we did maybe the rest of the week for a little bit later and just kind of push through these games real quick for the people. Right. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the games that happened and then get get to the more fun stuff. Yeah. So game one. 
David Peterson, uh, he did the thing that we've said now for like the last five, six starts, which is you gave him four runs in four innings, but you struck out seven and you had swings and misses. Weird, like strange, strange start again for David Peterson. The other part that was weird about him in this one is that I've talked to you guys a lot about Peterson's slider. That he's been adjusting a little bit. Now it's more of an up and down slider, but still comes out the slider spit and the gyro slider. And that's been his big whiff pitch recently. But that game Thursday night, slider got zero swings and misses. It was a lot of fastball sinker changeup. And it, yeah, just weird. It's just, it's strange that he's ending the season like this. Like it's just been a really bizarre two plus years now for David Peterson, where you yeah. have like the moments of prosperity followed by some puzzling situations followed by, Oh, that was like, that was a nice moment for him. And then again, it was like, Oh, that wasn't that nice either. So it's another off season where Dave Peterson is going to be involved in this roster. He's going to be on the team. He's going to have a shot to win a role in spring training again, depending on how the off season goes most likely. And just going to have to kind of take it as it comes with David Peterson. Yeah. Just keep seeing what's going to happen. I mean, like the, the strikeout stuff is what always makes us, I think, believe is just like, you can get strikeouts. You can be a very, very successful pitcher at the major league level, but the ability that he still gets hit at is just, it's, it's so bizarre. Tough day for your boy Brigham as well. He did strike out three in an inning in two thirds, but gave up another run, five two six ERA on the year now. I, yeah. I mean, you you said it before. No, I know the, the Brigham thing was really fun early in the year, and at the end of April, like, the highest strikeout rate in the Mets. I was I was I was pretty jacked up about that, but yeah, it was just he had to maintain the velocity. The bicep issue he had over the last few years has really taken a couple of ticks off his fastball. The sweeper still looks great, but just never got that weapon to be be the lefty, and that fastball wasn't never really had enough velocity despite having good enough shape to really get past people in the strike zone. Yeah. On the field, on the offensive side, Jeff McNeil had a great series outside of one, uh, just unfortunate foul ball that caught Jeff. I mean, all, all, all the men listening at home and watching at home knows exactly what we're talking about. We felt, we feel for you, Jeff, glad that you continue to play. The guys like played, I think 155 of 156 games for the Mets this year, but in game one, he was a home run away from the cycle. Always plays well in Philadelphia. It feels like I think Jeff is like, this is, Pretty easy ballpark to hit in over here. It's also just Jeff's comfortability. We talked about it with you guys last episode. We're going on almost two full months of baseball where he's doing the same thing he did all of last year, even with a smidge more power, which is kind of funny to say. And I know they're like, oh, the, 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 these two months don't really matter as much as the three and a half before that. You guys are right if you were to say that's true. But it is at least something, again, positive, taking the offseason, some momentum that you're building on the fact that someone who is here and will likely be here, who had, coming off an amazing year, was a batting champion, now is able to put together – baseball that you kind of expect from him and he expects from himself that he can carry into next season. Yeah. Saw Francisco Lindor steal a couple bases, got up to 30 on the season. He currently sits at 27 home runs, which he hit later on in the series to break his own franchise record for shortstop home runs for the New York Mets. It's a chance to be 30, 30. It's three more home runs, 30, 30 from your shortstop who plays gold glove defense. You guys know we're massive Francisco Lindor fans here. It's just, it can't get said enough how good of a ball player this guy is. I mean, we're not going to get greedy. I would like to see Francisco Lindor go 30-30, but I think even just exactly at least one more hit I think yeah. would, be, would be really cool. Just one more yeah. hit, 147 would be awesome. But um, it's just a great, another great season for Francisco Lindor, even getting his average back up to 250, which is like a really huge step forward from, again, not batting average podcast. You guys no. know that. But even just, it looks a lot better at the end of the year than 220, and we know that. And getting that average from like well below league average and now significantly above league average with the OPS still around 800. Like if you've, you guys can tell someone opening day, your shortstop would play gold glove defense and go 30, 30, but like, Oh, that's one of the best players in baseball. I'd really like to have yeah. him on my team. And then if you were to think that you would be correct. And it happened again. Mark Vientos also got a home run in this one. I think that was his third home run in like two days. Swing the bat. Well, but at the end of the day, Phillies just beat us. Uh, Alec Bohm, Nick Castellanos with a couple home runs. 
and their bullpen just kind of shut us down at the end, which was like one of the few times recently that this bullpen's pitched well. They've been scuttling a little bit going into the uh, postseason here. It has, but the cool thing about this Phillies bullpen, that's kind of the thing that was their linchpin last year, is that like they're not necessarily like a good bullpen. Like especially, I'll never get you to admit that, but at the end no. of the day, like bullpens are just experienced incredible amounts of variance because of how little they pitch in any given day. So three runs given up by one reliever will kind of change their entire statistical output for the season, the way like it's seen like ERA and whatnot. But at the end of the day, this team just has like four guys that are going to sit 98 plus in any given night. So yeah. I know sometimes these like large samples of the whole season, you're like, Oh, this Phillies bullpen and really had a bad year. But then like you get into a game and it's like, it's kind of cold and like you get a pitch on the inside, your hands start to sting a little bit. And yeah. Sir Anthony Dominguez, despite his high ERA, is extending like halfway the home plate through 99 <laughs> miles an hour with movement. You're like, I don't want to hit this guy. Now, sometimes I don't really think I can. So that's kind of what I said to you specifically. I on this podcast a few years ago and I was like, oh, I think the Phillies have kind of turned a corner like with their brains, like more than we have in years past. Like they're kind yeah. of not putting together a bullpen that's not good. Again, like in quotes, good. This isn't like a great ERA bullpen. I'll get it up now. I'm finishing this diatribe like where they actually rank in terms of bullpen ERA but they're just there's a lot of guys you really don't want to face any given night and I think that's kind of the key to building a bullpen that you know can be good for the postseason yeah I mean bullpens are volatile they are among some of the most volatile bullpens in baseball but regardless whatever lost game one moving on to game two Friday night Apple TV shout out to our guy Alex Faust who we interviewed uh right before did a little Philly Phillies preview also interviewed him just talking about his life. Check it out on the New York Mets YouTube channel. Check it out on our podcast feed if you have not yet done so. He was doing the play-by-play, -play, obviously, over on Apple TV. This one, again, was a little bit closer. Went to extra innings. Mets fought back late. Came back against that Phillies bullpen that we were James was just giving flowers to there. But, I mean, again, good to see, like, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso swing the bat well there. Especially good to see Brett Beatty getting another home run in the ninth inning off of Craig Kimbrell. Someone who, again, like, you were like, this is not an easy at-bat, despite maybe what his numbers say this year. No, and again, like talk about flowers. Like Craig Kimbrell statistically is one of the best relief pitchers in the history of baseball. He was, one, yeah. No, again, as a career. Like if yeah, you're yeah. looking at it, I'm not saying like now he's like, but like he's a guy who probably gets Hall of Fame consideration very legitimately. I think he has the highest, one of the highest oh. strikeout rates ever in modern baseball. You got. I don't think can. he does, man. Billy Wagner can't get in. Craig, Craig Kimbrell's not getting in. But I think Wagner will get in. I think it's going to take a while. And I think that when Kimbrell becomes eligible in like seven, eight years, six years, I guess, maybe if he hangs up after next year, probably, he's a guy who people are going to look at and be like, oh, he for a decade, he was the best closer in baseball. And that's No, for, for sure. I think, I don't know, like you're right. His, his peak was incredible. Like 2018, from 2010 to 2018, he was disgusting. But he's been like pretty horrible since then. And I don't know he has 400 saves. It's a lot. Depends. Depends what the writers are thinking. And we know that they are just kind of, it, it, sometimes it makes no sense the way that they're thinking. Like Kenley Jansen's another one of those guys too. You're probably going to look back and be like, wow, it's one of the two or three best closers in baseball history. And like people don't really appreciate him right now. Yeah. And Kimberl also just has a lot of the, like the per inning stats that you're like, whoa, like he, the amount of guys he, he's like for his career is 14 strikeouts per nine innings. Like his career yeah. whip is under one. Like he's a, he's nine time all-star as a reliever. He has the world series championships. I feel like people kind of hold a lot a in, little regard bit, yeah. in terms of relievers. The fact you could be able to get it done in the playoffs. And again, it just, it makes me so frustrated with that. There's no consistency with this hall of fame voting. The fact that Mariano Rivera could be the first unanimous guy, but other closers can't even get into the hall of fame. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Pissed me off. But by that account, I think Kimbrell is someone who he might, he might not get in, but I think he will like when that's coming around, you're going to get people being like, why Craig Kimball is a hall of famer. Like there For is, sure. there is an argument to be made. And I'm not saying he's definitely going to get in, but I wouldn't be surprised if he actually does get it. He's yeah. 
he's our, our lifetimes. Like you can't really talk about baseball without talking about Craig Kimbrell. You can't, you know, he was, he, like you said, he was one of the best closers. It'll be interesting to see what the, uh, the narrative is going to be whenever that time does come. It's not there yet. He's still 35. He's got a few more years underneath his belt. I'm sure. Sneaky Phillies actually seventh best ballpoint ERA in baseball. The okay. only teams with better ERA are the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Mariners, the Dodgers, the Brewers, and of course the New York Yankees. Everything, everybody except one team there. What do they got in common, James? Uh, velocity? No, uh, making the playoffs. All of them are playoff teams <laughs> except for the New York Yankees because that team stinks. So well, we can extend that to that eight. The Astros actually might miss the playoffs, but they they could get into the playoffs. One of them, Toronto, or Seattle, one of them is going to miss, and then uh, Tampa Bay nine right there. Then Cleveland ten. So you know the top ten looking like eight playoff teams for bullpen ERA. 100%. Now back to the game here. Tyler McGill on the mound going up against Taiwan Walker. McGill, like, looked solid. You, you give us six innings, six strikeouts, three earned runs, clap every time. Like, if that's what Tyler McGill can lock into, quality start every time, I mean, that's that's perfect. That's great. And this Phillies lineup, again, it feels like we haven't played these guys that much this year because there's just a lot of time in between these matchups, but it's awesome, especially when Turner and Harper and Castellanos and even now we're on mute are all hitting at the same time. It's like, Oh God, this is a really scary lineup. And then even a guy like Alec Bohm is like, has an outside shot, hundred RBIs. You're like, this is a lot of just guys who could hit here. And McGill was truly cruising until that third time through the order. And that was like the moment where eventually like he kind of ran out of options and then really hit the big run home run. But that was again, the only blemish, like his fastball, great life. It sat 95, 96, got up to 97 again, which is where we say time and time again, like that's where he has to be to be successful. And it was there basically the whole night. And, Commanded the slider pretty well. I think better than he had in most of his previous starts. He hung a few. I remember he hung one to Harp, uh, to Schwarber. I was just like, oh god, and he, he, he didn't, he, uh, didn't, he didn't, didn't, didn't leave the park. Thankfully, but just it was nice. It was nice to see him work that fastball and slider together and get to again. He didn't really get through line the third time because that third time through there was a big three run home run hit. But again, six innings, three runs, like you say, is not exactly something that we're going to be scoffing at any time. No. And the bullpen did a good job, too. Like, uh, the Mets lost this game, of course, but being able to come back late against that Phillies bullpen, Brett Beatty being a big part of that. Again, I had a, a tweet about how happy I was for Brett because I know that there's just some haters out there that are starting to pop up a little more and more now because they've seen 120 games of a 24, 22-year-old kid play third base, and they like to make a decision right then and there. This is exactly the kind of player he is, which is just so silly. I mean, we talk about it all the time, like the exit velos, all the – peripheral stats are just so great with him. It's, it's going to click at some point. And I think there's like beginning to be a different like way that between Mauricio, Bailey and Vientos are all being considered right now. Cause they're kind of all being considered for similar at bats going into next year. And the results aren't really that much different. Mauricio has by far a small sample size out of all of them and Bailey by far the most, but still not exactly a situation where they're so spread where it's like, you can definitely say one way or the other. Still confident yeah. in all three of them to like, at least worst case scenario, be contributing members, like positively contributing members to this team as we go forward. But it's really it's it's hard going to be hard to make any true inferences in any of them right now. Yeah, and that was pretty much game two. Nothing else to really talk about on that one. Moving on to game three, another former Met on the mound, Zach Wheeler, going up against Jose Quintana in this one. Who had? Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. One of the weirder Jose Quintana starts. Definitely the weirdest as a Met, I think we can say for sure. This was a little bit of Jose Quintana, like when he was with the Angels that one year, of like striking out a lot of guys, but giving up a lot of runs. That's just what happened. Six innings, eight hits, five earned, 10 strikeouts. Like, Explain to me how that even happens. Yeah, the 10 strikeouts is by far his most as a Met. He only actually had more than five strikeouts once, and that was... Uh, August 6th, uh, they started in Baltimore. That was another one where he, of course, threw six innings. But just, I think they're just swinging and missing a lot. Like, usually, Quintana lives in the shadows, and that's how it gets him that soft contact where he usually makes his bread and butter. But they were just swinging through him. So I think part of that is because the Phillies were like, we're going to just try and take some hacks because we know when we connect, we're going to connect. And they connected a few times, namely Bryce Harper with a 450 foot home run, where it was just like, <sighs> ball was different. It. Yeah, it was, you heard that. You were like, oh, that guy does things other guys can't do. And it's amazing. It kind of looked like a, a golf swing. Like, and I know you're not a big golf guy here, but like sometimes when you hit it and then it hits like that second level of getting up and you're like, whoa, that ball got launched. Yeah, 450 feet. That ball was truly launched. Boom hit a nice one, too. And it was just like, ugh. And even Harper, as slow as the year started, coming back from the Tommy John surgery, definitely struggled to find power for a while. The fact that he's still going to end up as a 300, almost a 300 average, 400 on base, 500 slug guy is like, one of the best players in the world. It's, yeah. it's, you can't like, I think people love to hate him. I think the hate is less now that he's like a little bit more like mature, secure himself yes. in Philly compared to Washington. Like, he used to really get the hate from the Mets fans. Now, I think it's just, I don't like you, but I really respect you, which is a positive, uh, positive move for, I guess, for, for our people. But guy's just incredible at baseball. It's stupid yeah, how good he is. Watching so the Hall of Famer. So, so good. Painful that he's going to be there forever. forever. <laughs> and Trey Turner and all these guys forever. are going to be there forever got paid and i mean like listen we know how these two seasons have gone for both of these teams phillies are gonna make the postseason they might make another run here especially because if their pitching can just kind of keep close enough in shape this lineup's really really good to compete with the dodgers and the braves who are obviously the two favorites in the national league but even on the Mets side again like just taking some positives out of here especially from the younger guys brett Beatty, two more hits against a top pitcher in the game and zach wheeler ronnie mauricio got a hit in this game we saw Jeff McNeil with a couple more hits. Vientos got a hit. Like, these are just little things that as this year goes on, year goes on. And we, I mean, even saw it with like a guy like, you say like CJ Abrams getting a little bit of a shot last year, starting the year a little bit slow. And he's ended up having a phenomenal year this year. These are all building blocks that they can push into the 2024 season and hopefully make a huge impact for the team. Yeah, just making Wheeler work hard. Like we know how good the pitcher Wheeler is. Like since he left the Mets, he's been a perennial top 10 basically in the whole game. And just the fact that there was a lot of balls in play, scored five runs on him. A few were were not earned. And then like just kind of grinding out that bats. He got really comfortable in the middle of the game. But like once he got that third again, third time through the order, it felt like the Mets were really starting to see him and then really starting to make this competitive, had that nice rally in the seventh inning to draw close. And 
again, like that's kind of what we're playing for right now. Like that sucks. Like that didn't, I didn't think yeah. that's where we're going to be. And that at this was actually the day after or the day the Mets were eliminated from the postseason, right? Saturday. Yeah. So just nice to see these guys still again, grinding through it because while it feels like from the outside, sometimes there's not that much to play for. Like we tell you guys, there's always a lot to play for on the inside. Like guys like yeah. Beatty, Mauricio, Fientos, every single day is a like a tryout for next year. Basically everything I mean, you do could impact the way a coach sees you in the future. Every single thing. I, I got a shout out a, a Reds fan of, of, mine on twitter who like tweeted me the other day about how he's like hey listen like met season's over like we all know what it is they're not gonna make the playoffs but i gotta give them credit like they're still playing extremely hard like these guys are not giving up at all these games theoretically again like we said like don't matter but to them they're playing as if they're the most important games of the season and that to me at least from you know the outside perspective is something that's so huge that there's there's so it's so easy to just kind of shut it down and kind of coast through the end of the season. Got the last week here. You could just be like, yeah, these last few games don't really matter that much. But these guys are still playing hard every single day. And it's you got to appreciate it as a fan. Definitely. You look around some other teams around baseball who have had similar fortunes as the Mets this year, where it just like hasn't gone their way. I'm not going to name names, but I think you could probably know what I'm talking about. But there's a few teams that go out there every single day. You're like, it does look like they're super engaged all the time. Yeah. And this Mets team does look really engaged all the time. They still look really excited to win games when they do. So that's, it's it's meaningful. Yep. Obviously lost that one. Got swept this series. Moving on to game four. You got anything else from that last game or time to talk about the last one here? Yeah, that was really, it's just, again, the Quintana thing. I feel like that was strategic from the Phillies to be like, let's just take some hacks. Like if we whiff, we whiff. Like yeah. this is where he's going to live. We knows where he's going to live. So let's just try to connect on a few. Game four, Jose Budo on the mound. Really. Really needed him for my fantasy baseball champion or uh, semifinal there. Unfortunately, it wasn't his fault. My team lost by 100 points still. So shout out Richie Mack for getting the win there and moving on to the finals up against James. Unfortunately, not going to be me. But Jose Budo, I mean, he is so great up until that 60 pitch mark, which we've talked about so often. And that's it, it makes sense because like this year, especially pitching in the minors, like your, your pitching consistency isn't really that like consistent. I guess that's the word I would use. Consistently inconsistent. And, like, there were times at points this year where, like, he was being used out of the bullpen. Like, even when he came up for the Mets earlier in the year, he wasn't being used in this longer kind of role. So it makes sense why he might be hitting that wall at 60-ish pitches. Again, he's thrown probably more innings than he really ever has in a season as well, starting to get late into the year. But 15 swings and misses in four innings. Like, the stuff is still there, and my confidence in him has not wavered one sec, one bit. No, and another thing with him, with that 60-pitch thing, is it's similar to McGill. And we talked about this with Budo for a long time. And the fact that he has developed this slider recently is what's taken him to this new level because always fastball changeup. And it's just when you're so fastball heavy and he throws his fastball anywhere between 40 and 60% of the time, sometimes even more in these starts that he makes. It's just eventually like a bunch of fastballs that are coming in between, you know, 93 and 96 miles an hour. Like you're going to start to get a little more tired as the game goes on. You're, you're maxing out every single time. Again, going to get a little tired and they're going to start be able to time up fastballs these major league hitters the shape is good it's not great and the velocity is also good but not great so you only really have so many times you can throw that fastball to hitters at the same times and then expect to keep getting away with it and they, they swung and missed a lot tonight he was really i thought especially crafty the way that budo went up against lefties in this game he threw about 80 percent of pitches to lefties and again the phillies have some scary lefties namely kyle schwarber and this team 80% of the pitch he threw the left-handed batters on Sunday were fastballs. And every single one, you guys can check it on Baseball Savant, go to the Illustrator and the pitch chart. Every single one was in the other half of the plate. Most of them really on the other edge, working high, working low against them. And a couple changeups worked off there. A couple sinkers, too, where he's picking off some called strikes. But it was really just like being very careful with his, with his fastball away from lefties. And when that pitch is good, it looks really, really good. And it's just that he's you're going to get a little tired. And then going from 94, going from 95, 96, 93, 94 is a very big difference in major league hitters. Like that's yeah. the difference between being 
and above like fastball that has above average velocity versus kind of average or below average velocity. And when that happens, it, it's this difference between I'm a little late on it. So I can really start time this up. And the Phillies did start time it up as, uh, as he got past that 60, 70 pitch mark, but still was a game where it's just like, I'm just encouraged by him every time I watch him pitch. Like he didn't really have his good feel for the changeup. This star has had the last few. The slather also was fine, but I didn't think it really had as much was really fooling hitters as much this time as recently, but each of those pitches still got three swings and misses, which it's a fine spot to be when he only they only swung about eight or nine in the meet. And I was really encouraged by Jose Budo. There's so many things he's doing well, and I think there is such an avenue for him to be an effective contributor for this team next season. Oh, 100%. Yeah, Budo's, Budo should be a part of this team without a doubt next season, opening day, as long as all things go to plan. He he looks like he's going to have a spot on this team. And then, like, honestly, Christopher Sanchez, give him a little credit here, he did shut us down. He Crazy. was disgusting. And yeah. outside of Ronnie Mauricio hitting that home run in the sixth, nobody did anything against Nothing. him. Yeah, I talked about the changeup. Christopher Sanchez has a really nice changeup. He is, and I mentioned this in the preview last episode, is like exactly what happened, what they did with Ranger Suarez. They did it, redid it with Christopher Sanchez. Suarez had a little bit more of a diverse repertoire, but it's just like, I'm going to throw sinkers uh, like down low on you all day long, watch you roll them over, and then I'm going to throw changeups. Look like the sinkers, but they're going to drop out the second you think you got them. Mixing a few sliders as well, but his changeup especially, the Mets were just completely swinging through it as, as much as possible this season. And that... With 16 swings and misses on changeups, that was the second most times the team has swung and missed at a changeup against one pitcher in a game all year. I talked about that Budo had the fourth most in the start a couple weeks ago when he had 13 of them. I look back today because I was like, oh, he has 16. Like, I wonder who actually had more than that in the start this year. And the only pitcher that had more changeup whiffs in a single game is Christopher Sanchez on September 13th against the Atlanta Braves, which is kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, high month for Christopher Sanchez. That changeup is big, especially this Phillies team where Tywin Walker has been good, but he's probably not a guy who you're going to be like, I want you to get me seven innings in a playoff game, as we know yeah. from watching Tywin Walker the last few years. Him being a guy that can either piggyback with Tywin Walker in a game three or just get and the ball the in the game three. Too. Yeah, right? Very kind of, very different uh, pitch mixes, different uh, arm slots. They. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Some guy that I think could give a team an issue in a playoff game, because you guess, when you get those like sinkers and changes working, you could really frustrate a team that's used to hitting for a lot of power. And if you can oh, yeah. locate those right, and he's heading into the playoffs pitching as good as he has pitched as a professional, he's been pretty lights out for about a month and a half now, two months. That's a weapon for the Phillies and something that kind of changes their uh, what they can do in a playoff series. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about Ryan Mauricio getting that home run off of him as well, second home run of his career, 130 miles an hour. Absolutely golfed it. I don't really even know how he hit this ball that hard, but that's just kind of the Ronnie Mauricio effect, it seems like, is when he hits the ball, it's going to be exceptionally hard. Yes, and that was as a right-handed batter, if I remember correctly, because yes. Sanchez is a lefty. So now he's got one from each side, which is nice. Yeah, and the last little thing to talk about in this game, on the Philly side, very cool moment. Uh, Orion, I, th- I think is how you pronounce his name, Orion Kirkering made his major league debut. He was absolutely disgusting, but I don't know if you caught it, James, but his dad was hysterically crying for the entire inning. They just kept cutting back to him and just the waterworks coming down his face. I was like, ah, God, I hate Philly, but this is a really cool moment. Like to just be able to see this kid live out his dream. His dad's there. He was disgusting. (laughs) Um, it's, It's, it's very cool. 
And also, Kirk Ring's an interesting case because he was drafted basically with the sights set on him being a shutdown reliever, and it was in about 2022. It. He has about 60 professional oh, really? innings, and he's already up in the major leagues, yes. Whoa. Yeah, and he and he was a guy who was like a darling of the Stuff Plus models. He came up through the minor leagues, and if you guys watched that fastball tonight, it really had a lot of life coming in, 9,900 miles an hour. And there's, again, there's another guy now to add to the back of that Phillies bullpen where it's like, oh, you're – I don't know if you're that good, but you're you're throwing the ball really hard. I don't really want to hit against you. Wow, yeah, fifth round pick in the 2022 draft out of University of South Florida. That's yeah. I mean, he had a unreal year in the minors, so it makes sense. Yeah. Give this guy and, a look. And if you guys notice, I talked about that 99 mile an hour fastball sinker. It, he only threw two of those, and it was all sliders. Besides that, and he was just whipping those sliders down. Yeah, so somebody keep an eye out for in the postseason here because uh, it seems like he's got a little bit of a 10-day tryout to see if he's going to be good enough to make that postseason roster as the Phillies, I think, are pretty close to clinching the postseason, if not already clinched it. Yeah, and it's a good team. Grass swept. Doesn't, never feels good to get swept against a rival, but right now this team is probably the third best shot to win the National League. Like That's what yeah. that that's just what it looks like right now. And I would even go as far as say they're probably the second best shot because I don't really believe the Dodgers can can actually get through a playoff series of what they have pitching right now. This Phillies team yeah. is dangerous. They're probably our best chance to beat the Braves. So like, I know it's going to be a really evil, disgusting feeling in our stomachs when hopefully they actually do get to play against each other. But that's the world we live in right now. Enemy of an enemy is my friend. And right now the Phillies could be our friends if it means taking down the Atlanta Braves. If those, if, if it's the lesser of two evils, I'll pick the Phillies over the Braves. Like you, you even asked me, did we do it on the podcast? You were like, do you hate the Phillies more than the Braves? I was like, oh, absolutely not. Braves are number one, clear and far. But the Phillies act, act like you hate the Phillies more. I I hate the Braves so much more than the Phillies. Not even funny. It's like not yeah. even close. But like, because part of it is the shtick too. Like Phillies fans would bite on every single thing I ever said. I could say Bryce Harper is the second best player in baseball. They'd be like, it's great. You hate him so much. He's not the first. That <laughs> you're such a biased Mets fan. Braves fans are now starting to do that because I could say anything about the Braves and they automatically assume me. Like when Ozzy Albies hits a home run, I get tagged a hundred times. I go, oh, Braves fans, the first thing you think of when your favorite second baseman hits a home run is my face. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not a bad place to be. But again, like this is a team that is going to be a fun watch in, uh, in October baseball. And well, you know, I'm, I'm not, not going to call them fun, but <laughs> I think you don't think I think I mean, yeah, exactly. Take no, the bias out. Fun, it's a fun roster. Yeah, they have like six really good hitters. They have two pretty amazing pitchers, two different uh, two different vibes and the bullpen with like four guys that are 100 miles an hour. That's pretty fun. <sighs> Whatever. If I was playing LB the show, I'd be like, I'd probably try with that team. That's fair. All right. Yeah, that's fun. You, you, you love Philly too, though. I, I have a hate for the city. That's also part of it as well. Is yeah, the city I, itself just it's so sense. it's so mid. It's the butthole in New Jersey. It's the it's, it's a fun, it's a fun place to have a grimy time. Yeah, if you're feeling grimy, I don't know. Cheesesteaks, have we talked about that? Which one is what's your go-to? I know you can't eat the bread now, but when you talked about it with Alex Faust, I mean I used to love um Jim's and I had one Delisandra's that was really good one time as well. But Jim's was legendary. I think Jim's had something happen on oh, fire, something happened with them, but I don't remember. I think they're Tony now. Luke's man. I went to Tony Luke's. Yeah. That was great That's bread. Sorry to rub it in there, but great bread. No, I used to have great bread too. I used to enjoy bread. Now what I've done with cheesesteaks, cheesesteaks become one of my favorite gluten-free meals. Mark watches me eat this like all the time because like a one lot. of the things I can eat when go out of bars, but I'll get a cheesesteak or a burger and i'll tell them no bun and i'll just like chop that up myself i'll just throw it on top of the fries and do like loaded fries with burger cheesesteak and some veggies always goes always goes down really well it's a great of meal of course i mean meat cheese and fried potatoes it's like a great breakfast <laughs> it's a great breakfast great lunch great dinner you can have any, any time of day but that's the end of this philly series we're gonna see them again next weekend for the last series of the year at city field again we'll be there hope you guys are as well and 
before we get to the Marlins, we Mark and I took a little excursion last Thursday night too. We want to talk about you guys. We told you we were going to head to Binghamton or to Binghamton's game in Somerset to watch them take down the Yankees, knock them out of the playoffs, and that they did. Got a great victory. Oh, shout yeah. out Dom Hamill. Shout out Luis Angel Cunha. Shout out Hayden Sanger for a great team. Vic- shout out Paul Gervais. A great team victory for Binghamton. Got to the championship. They took down the Somerset Yankees, who were the best team in that league the whole year. They had like a, almost 700 winning percentage. Like they were the cream of the crop of that division. And we just steamrolled right through them with all of our wonderful midseason acquisitions. It felt really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was awesome. It was very cool to be there. Um, we got to go onto the field because we we had some media credentials, which was cool. We got to meet, I forgot his name. Ross. What was his name, James? Oh, Ross. Ross. Yes, we met Ross with the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, who's super, super nice. Hopefully, we'll be able to see him again soon. Yeah, long time listener. Also, yeah, long time listener. Also crazy because like some tall, some tall boys on this this Binghamton roster. Yeah. I mean, there's like such a, a difference of like there's me and James size guys with like Luis on Helicuna, Drew Gilbert, Chet Williams, and then there's like Paul Gervais and Tyler Stewart, who are like six foot nine and six foot mm. ten or whatever, however tall they are. And we're like, oh yeah, it must be oh, where air's gotta be a little different up there. Like it's just you got a clear foot on us. This is insane. Yeah, right. And also again, that uh the Somerset uh Yankees in the year, 84 and 53, 615 oh. winning percentage, and we swept them in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, swept smacked them. They so like Dom Hamill, we saw him. This is the first time I've seen him pitch in real life. Yeah. And I was super impressed because he kind of started the game off in like the 93, 94 range. But as the game went on more and more, started climbing up to 95, 96. I think he might have even hit 97 at one point in this game because I remember mm-hmm. making a comment of like 97 from Dom Hamill. The slider looked solid. The changeup looked good. And that curveball, which is like the calling card for him, that yeah. pitch was absolutely filthy. No, he didn't even use the curveball that much in this game. It was really all fastball and slider. And that fastball, when he was able to get that above 95 and like keep it up in the zone, no, Somerset Yankees couldn't, couldn't, or the Somerset Yankees, Somerset Patriots. Somerset Patriots. They're still the Patriots. Are oh, yeah, shout out to Somerset Patriots. They, they really couldn't get around on it. And that's a team that has Ben Rice on it, who's fastly becoming one of the hottest catching prospects in the league. Spencer Jones, who another talk about tall baseball players. <laughs> yeah. Guys, guys, a tall drink of water. He's Legs massive. For days. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Elijah Dunham, who is a good Yankee performer, who's also, they had one more big prospect, leadoff hitter. I can't name names. Uh, leadoff hitter. Oh, who was it? Oh, what it was, was a fantastic name? prospect. It's uh, one of the top prospects in the system. Really? Who is it? What's his name? I'm going to look it up real quick for you. Yeah, just keep trying to think of it. Great podcast. Also, so impressive where Hamill seemed like this Binghamton team was locked in. They were ready to win baseball games. They were all Trey Sweeney. Trey Sweeney, of course. Yeah, former first round pick. So there's a couple couple potential major leaguers on that Yankee roster. And Dom Hamill ran right through him, pitching the eighth inning. And he was really economic with his pitch count, too. He He barely even got to 100 pitches until he ran into some trouble in the eighth. Also, eight or nine strikeouts. Maybe maybe one or two walks, maybe no walks actually. I'm gonna go back and check right now. But it's just pitching with and a lot of emotion. What? Dog, dog. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He just every at bat, he just challenged guys. He was gonna go right at them. Oh, two walks, eight strikeouts, no one runs, only three hits. It was just he was he, after the seventh inning, he was like really like flexing, really enjoying himself. And he came back out for the eighth with a lot of energy. He was like snapping the ball back when he was throwing warm-ups. And then when he came out of the game, he just like really like took a saunter on the mound and looked around. He was like, yeah, that's right. And then we saw him even before the game. He had tons of swag. He's got like yeah. an arm sleeve. He's wearing a headband. Like he was like, this guy's this guy's pretty cool. And then after the game, just part of the celebration as well-deserved. Yeah. And then we got to see uh, our first experience of watching Paul Gervais as well, who, <laughs> I mean, you I'm, I'm sure the guys who are listening to this, who listen to Future of Flushing, you guys know John and Vito rip like five episodes a week talking about the minor leagues all the time. So you, you've probably heard a lot about Paul Gervais, but for me and James, like hearing about it and seeing it, 
felt very, very different because first off, he's a massive human. And second off, he's pretty disgustingly good. Yeah, he has a crazy arm slot where he's so big, but he releases. I would even say like lower than three quarters, like almost like a full side armor. And his pitch, I give his pitch a lot of natural movement on it. John was telling this was a four-seamer, but it looked very two-seamy. And it just looked like there's a lot of the way that ball is coming out of his hand. It felt sinkerish too, where it was just like, he kept like nipping off the low and outside corner to lefties as a righty to where he was a big righty and he was pitching again, like out, like almost sidearm-ish. So it's coming out from the side of you and it's a fastball. So it doesn't really have that much movement. Like it's no break on the pitch, but it would just like shoot back over into the lower, lower third. And the hitters would be like, there was not a second I could have actually got around and hit that pitch. And he just kept putting it there and putting it there and putting it there. And the Yankee hitters couldn't do anything. And then once in a while off that spot, he'd rip a slider off and he'd be like, oh my God, like that just came out of my back foot. I didn't even think there was going to be a strike on the outside. It's really impressive. Yeah. No, he's he's been disgusting. On the year, he has a 2.05 ERA in 57 innings between high A and double A. 23-year-old from the 2022 MLB draft, 12th round out of LSU. Six foot 10. Six foot ten. Could you even imagine what an extra foot would do to your life? Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> it would do the like same that? to me. It's a foot for me too. I'm five nine. <laughs> True. Even Hamill. That, now this four straight starts for Dom Hamill. He hadn't given up an earned run over, over twenty one innings. Also found out something about uh, Paul Gervais. It's a bit of a JUCO bandit as well. He went to Pfeiffer University and Pitt Community College before getting to LSU. Kind of love to see that. That's a guy who's like, I'm just here to play ball. I'm a grinder. I'm getting better and better, and then. Getting the call to LSU is about as good as it can get as a baseball college player. Yeah, and if you guys want to keep track of Binghamton, they had their first game of the finals rained out on Sunday, but they're facing Erie, and that first game is going to be Monday. Blade Tidwell scheduled to be on the bump. Yep, and make sure you guys check out Future of Flushing again, hosted by our producer Vito and John. They do recaps after every single game, interviews with the minor league players. Definitely go give it a listen if you have not yet done so. Speaking of John, he uh, did text me for the estimate because... Technically, I'm still alive. There are two series left. James is up two. I won the last one. Nick Castellanos only hit three fly balls to left field, and I called it actually right on the money, weirdly mm-hmm. enough. But John texts us. We know Kodai Senga is going to be making his last start of the season up against the Marlins. So he said, what is Kodai Senga's ERA going to end up at after his final start this year? I don't know if I like that one because there's not that much you could really move here. <laughs> yeah, but like you no, it can totally move. It's, it's about being right. You can literally run a calculation if you want to. Yeah, I guess. We have yeah, time to do that. It's bad podcasting pull, for the people. Pull out the ERA calculator. It's easy. Just type in the numbers. You pull up his baseball savant. You type in the numbers, and you you, you tell me what do you think he's going to pitch on yes, in yeah. his next start. Yeah, it's true, actually. All right. Yeah, it's not that bad. You're t- you just didn't like it. You didn't like it because you know I'm going to get this one right. You want something that – this is too no. much thinking for you. This is too too much technology for you on this one. Yeah, not, not I don't like the technology. I like to just feel it through the baseball. Yeah, technology is good. Technologies, it's knowledge. All right, so right now, let me make sure I got that right. Perfect, I got his ERA correct. I'm going to say he goes this, and he gives up that. All right, I've got my number. I don't know yeah. if you have yours. I got mine. Do you, want, do you have your whiteboard in it? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wait, didn't. Okay. I am going. I'm good. I got my number. Me too. Three. Two. This number weird. It looks like a different number. Hold on. Okay. All right. <laughs> could be. This could be a major. False start. False start. It's big. I mean, I don't, I don't want to have to wear the full kit again, so I'm, I'm going to try and win this one. Yeah, of course. I mean, we still don't know what my punishment is going to be. We don't know if I'm going to do. I mean, I'm going to lose. We know it, but we don't know if I'm going to do. Uh, by the way, won the estimate. Mets got swept in a four-game series. Just yeah. Right. Sick. It's not. This is not a joke. This is not good. We need me to lose. But uh, ready? Yes. 
three, two, one, bang. I'm saying it's not moving. Ooh, 294. 296. I I wrote him down for six and a third, two earned runs. I wrote him down for six. Exactly. I wrote him down for six with two earned runs and knock him down a little bit on mine. Yeah, well, because it's I don't know. Someone did the calculations wrong. I'm gonna go ahead and just say he's staying at 2.96, is which where he's at right now. Oh, I said two earned runs in seven innings. I guess I'm a real ah, fan. Okay. You're, you're, yeah, you're a little skeptical. Wow, so that's sixth or seventh inning. We could be on the racer's edge. For yeah, this. <laughs> that's, that's gonna be it's awesome. gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. We're at the ballpark. We'll be locked in even more than we normally are. Yeah, right. All right. Or if you just now see now what you did too is like in the way you do it where the Mets lose and you win. Like if he just gives up three or four runs, you're gonna win. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I need I need him just pitch well. I mean, he's good. He's good. He's he's good. He's going to be home. He loves pitching at home. We know we saw the Marlins recently. Maybe you could give us the rest of the pitching matchups for this series as well coming up here. Yeah, pitching matchups for this series is going to be, well, Marlins have Marlins have yet to name on ESPN right now. But Tuesday, we're going to have Lucchese. And then Wednesday, Sanga. Thursday, Miguel. And based on what the Marlins, they got bad news about Sandy Alcantara over the weekend, yeah. which it seems like it's not even the real bad news yet. It seems like it's really bad news. There's not really saying it. And they have Lazardo, Edward Cabrera, Edward Cabrera, and Braxton Garrett scheduled for their weekend series in Pittsburgh. So who, who else? Braxton you? Garrett is scheduled for tomorrow. I saw it. Yeah, I have Garrett for tomorrow. I said that. And okay. then, so then who else was there from two days ago pitch for them? Uh, uh, Yuri? Could Yuri be coming back? Yeah, I guess Yuri probably will pitch. But I guess they haven't been naming him to starter because he's not really throwing a whole ton. But yeah, Yuri makes sense then. And yeah, I don't know. But. The big thing with the Marlins here, we, you guys know we just took two of three from them. They then just played a home series against the Brewers and took two out of three from them. After they got eviscerated for 16 runs on Friday night, they won two tight games and really got themselves back into the situation where they actually could make the postseason here. Yeah. No, I mean, they're they're currently one game out at the time of looking at uh, what the standings are when we're recording this. They're 81-75, one game behind the Chicago Cubs, one and a half games behind the Diamondbacks. We have an opportunity to keep him out of the postseason, and I would love nothing more than that. I'd love nothing more than to see the Marlins at home in October like the rest of us. Yeah, there's been a few times in our lives, if you guys remember, the Marlins have kept us out of the postseason. Yeah. So I would really like to do that to them. Yeah, no, and I, I just... The fact that Ernie just, like, did this to us, like, in the last yeah. within the last year, become, be, going from the Marlins to the Mets, and the Mets don't make the postseason, the Marlins might make it. Like, I, I can't have them make it, because then, then I got to fight my friend. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't want to fight Ernie. Well, then we just have to demand he he relinquishes his Mets fandom, and we would yeah. never do that to anybody. But this is a specific case here where well, he is. He's we're thinking us. about you guys at home. We're yes, thinking about the team. This is about Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, yeah. Joe from Staten Island. Like this, it's, it's about you yeah. guys. We'll we'll do it to our friend Ernie if we have to. Yeah, Paul Paul from Massapequa. This one's for you. Like we're gonna yeah. we're gonna get rid of him. Don't worry. He's like a gnat. We love you, Ernie, but we, we're gonna have to have a talk anyway. uh we saw them like last week. I don't, we don't really need to talk too much about the Marlins here. And honestly, I, th I think we're pretty good for the episode. What do you think? I think so too. Good time to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. We really do appreciate all you guys still hanging around here in uh, September as the Mets are now officially eliminated from the postseason. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Make sure you follow us on our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you want to see the video version of this. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download and subscribe. We really do appreciate it. James, where can they follow you on Twitter? James underscore Shiano tweeted about Ryan Day over the weekend. and lost like 12 followers. So go Bucks. That's fine. Go Ohio Bucks. against the world. Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame. Losers. They had 10 men on the field for the last few plays. 10 men. How does that happen? Bad. It's not good. Yep. Draft neck mark with a C for me, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you after the Marlins series. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.